Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture passage this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, verses 11 through 14. Let us now hear the words of the Lord. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son." If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather this morning to sing your praises, to realize that you are the king of the world, the king of our lives, the king of all creation. And as we hear your words read and proclaimed, may we hear them so clearly in our hearts, not just with our ears, but in our hearts so that we would leave this time together not as mere hearers of your words, but transformed as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So I think it's fair to say, based on just what I hear from different grumblings and conversations around, that it's fair to say that the ubiquitous automated telephone system is the bane of our existence. If you have ever tried to get tech support on the phone, or if you've ever tried to work with a large telecom conglomerate, or to make a hotel reservation, or even to get an appointment at your doctor's office, you know what's going to happen. You dial the 1-800 number and immediately you're into the system. And it was created with this idea of efficiency in mind, and yet it's an increasing source of frustration for us all, is it not? I mean, the number, as the number of buttons you have to push increases, and as the number of minutes that you're on hold with some new age pop arrangement of easy listening music, yes, they've created that, the more minutes you have in that loop, your temper and your frustration and your stress level rises. Fair to say. And so when you finally hit Eureka, when you finally get the moment, the combination and the stars align and you get the human being, you are loaded for bear and the ambush begins and no one wins the day. But there was something that happened once back, uh, back in the early part of the year 2000 leading up to 2010 in a tech company. Uh, Dan and Chip Heath write about this in their book, Switch. The tech company was uh, Rackspace. It was a web hosting company. And they, like all the other web hosting and tech companies, they bought into the mindset of this auto attendant. And so when there were trouble issues with some of your tech stuff, what they had created was the automated uh, trouble ticket. 
you would call, you'd push all the buttons, you'd hear the terrible music, your stress level would be already up, and then you would finally get there and you would leave a message trying to describe your tech problem, and then you got the joy of waiting until they called you back and asked you what seems to be the problem. But what happened is Rackspace said, you know what, let's swim against the tide. Let's throw our automated trouble ticket system out the window and let's answer the phone. Well, immediately the world spread, the word spread around the tech world and all of a sudden everybody was moving their web hosting to Rackspace because they got excellent human being customer service. And the process that Rackspace went from being sort of in the middle of the pack to leading in terms of sales and opportunities and growth because they were contrarian in this idea. They saw the possibilities of changing the status quo, what they were doing to do something better, and they experienced great results. In our passage today, Jesus is speaking specifically to the 12. Now, if we turn the page back and started in, in chapter 13, somewhere in there, Jesus was going to tell the, has told the disciples, I'm not going to be with you always. As a matter of fact, I'm going to soon leave you and leave you to do the work. So as you can imagine, when they hear this, this creates more than just a little anxiety amongst the 12 because they were everyday people like you and me and now being charged with carrying on Jesus' ministry. I mean, they liked following Jesus, literally following his footsteps, following him theologically. They liked having him around, kind of like Linus with a, a security blanket. Jesus always paved the way for them. And the thought of ministry without his physical presence worried him. They didn't like the idea of being without Jesus. They didn't like the idea of, of having to face the religious and political leaders of their days and create the change that the kingdom of God demanded. And they were unsure that they were up for this task. Jesus knows all of this. But what we hear in the passage today is a very different message. Jesus assures them that they are ready. Jesus assures them that this change will be good. Jesus assures them that this change will be successful. In verse 11, he says, believe because of the good works, meaning I have shown you what to do, just do it. He says, the one who believes in me will do greater work because I go to him. What he means in verse 12 is, I go to God the Father to advocate for you that whatever you ask, I will whisper in God's ear and say, make it so. And then he says in verse 14, if you ask in my name, I will do it. In other words, you will be successful disciples in ministry. And the message for you and for me is, in other words, that when we set our hearts on the mission and vision of Jesus Christ, that much like the disciples, we can break the status quo of our lives. We can break the status quo of our lives and we can bear bountiful fruit for the kingdom of God. When we set our hearts and our minds on the mission and vision of Jesus Christ. So let's just have a moment of stark honesty with each other. This whole idea of the status quo means we like things just the way they are. I think if we're really honest with each other, we don't really like change. 
It's difficult. We don't like it. It disrupts our routines, our ways of doing things, how we spend our time and our financial resources and our other resources. We dread it secretly because, and maybe even subliminally, because we crave control. We crave life on our terms without disruption. And this idea of the status quo, life on our terms without, dis without disruption, the way things are, is not necessarily bad, but sometimes it can be blinding because we are unable to see the possibilities of what could come if we would just make some changes. But when we seek to swim against the tide, the status quo of our lives, of society, that change that happens, it results in growth. Especially when we seek to change for the better of ourselves and for the better of the world. I mean, think about what happened with Rackspace. They knew what the status quo was. They could have kept doing what they were doing with that automatic ticket system and had every customer as frustrated with them as they were with any other tech company, and things would have been fine. But they saw an opportunity. They rolled the dice, and they sort of kicked that whole system out, and they all of a sudden found a much higher level of customer satisfaction, so much so that they were able to grow so much so that they became a bigger company. They met sort of their profit goals, their growth goals. Our own story here in this church tells something very similar. I think back to what the decisions made to launch Livestream. Back in those days when our church was first getting started and first building, when radio was the thing, it was the cutting edge. And we were able to reach to the world by radio, but it had its limits as far as the signals would broadcast. And as the world became increasingly dissatisfied with AM radio and turned away from it, what we found was an unmeasurable sense of what our audience was. That was the status quo, the AM dial. But then when we decided to make the decision, when this congregation made the decision to unplug the radio, what we discovered was what every child of the MTV generation knows, that video kills the radio star. We learned that immediately what we began to realize is we saw this increased attraction, this increased involvement in worship participation. Because now folks could tune in regularly from wherever they might be, even far, far away from the AM dial and the signal spread. So you could go to your vacation home deep in the mountains or down at the coast or in the Florida area and you could catch church still. Or if you were traveling anywhere else in the world, you could do it. We found regular people who discovered our church and still tune into this day. And folks, I am thankful that you are with us, that you are worshiping with us at this moment. Because what happened is we married up the, the beauty of sound with the video so that we feel like we are in this space together. Talk to your friends that watch on live stream. They like to point out that they saw you in church because you're sitting there. They know who's taking a nap. They know who is working on the grocery list. They know who is listening intently. But the reality is we are all together through the beauty of technology. The other thing about this is it seemed like the right move. I mean, we were almost prescient in a sense because who knew that it was we were laying the groundwork 
for live stream that we were getting prepared for something that would turn the world upside down. I think in the first weeks and months of the global pandemic that we were live and being broadcast around the globe, the people were finding us, other churches were still trying to figure out how to broadcast their worship service with a shaky camera and Facebook Live to get started. See, when we faithfully seek the possibilities beyond the status quo, we are able to grow in our ministries. So this growth can happen by seeking a change at sort of the corporate level. Imagine what happens in our personal lives when we seek the same kind of opportunities. What might be the results that we've experienced if we decide to seek change in how we go about life? If we decide to seek growth in what we do? I think last week we talked about our finances and about stewardship and I think about the challenge that we have that if the 55% of our congregation that doesn't give to the church, if they gave $1,200 this next year, and if the 45% of our congregation that gives, if they gave $1,200 more this next year, that we would have $1.7 million available for ministry opportunities. Friends, you want to watch a church change the status quo, put $1.7 million on the floor and say, do something amazing with this gift. Not only were we able to talk about doing something amazing in a church if we had that kind of growth in our budgetary resources, but think about what it does in our hearts as we give more. It changes our relationship with money. It's no longer ours, but we see how God blesses it because we realize that all of those blessings, all our financial blessings in life are truly a gift from God. But it's not just about how we spend our money. Think about if we changed how we spent our time. What if we decided to devote more time in our lives to intentional faith development in our practice of faith? There are 168 hours in a week, and if you say that you're going to get a good solid eight hours of sleep every night, that leaves 112 hours that you and I are awake to go about life. So if we took a very loose tithe of that, I mean really loose, because a true tithe is 11 hours and... 15 minutes. But if we just set aside 10 hours each week for our practice of faith, think about that with me for a minute. 10 hours a week, one hour of it spent in worship every week, one hour spent in faith formation, whether it's a small group or a Sunday school class or a dedicated Bible study, and we have plenty of those going on here. And if you haven't found one for you or you wish we had one on X, Y, and Z, come see staff. We will help you get that started. But if we had one hour for faith formation and then you spent, you know, the first 15 minutes of every day, okay, let's be honest. In reading the Bible in the year, it takes more than 15 minutes, so I'm going to let you have a whole half hour. In the course of a week, another 3.5 hours to read scripture and to pray over it. That's five and a half hours to grow closer to God. That leaves the other four and a half hours to serve in the church, to do mission work in the community in the name of the church, to teach faith formation at home to youth and children. But think with me for a minute the difference that that will make if we spent 520 hours per year focused on our practice of faith. Think of the difference, the growth that it will happen in your life, in your faith, in your work. 
Because friends, our faith should influence what we do in the public sphere each and every day. But think of the difference our dedicated practice of faith would make in the world. See, our time is a blessing for God. It's intended to be used to grow closer to God and to build the kingdom. But it's not just money and time that we need to change. It's how we use our resources as well. What I'm really talking about our talents. I'm talking about the gifts and the blessings that God has given us in terms of our professions and even those hobbies that are sort of avocations. How do we use them to make a difference in the world around us? Bill Hybels, the lead minister at Willow Creek Community Church for many years, he told this story about how one Sunday after church there were a couple of guys that uh, were mechanics. They sort of had known each other, found each other, they went to the same church, and they walked out and they said to Bill, they said, Bill, we know there's a problem with single parents who are unable to afford to have their cars worked on. It sometimes boils down to food on the table or fix the car, rent check or car fixing, car repair. What if we started a ministry where we gave our time on a Saturday morning to change the oil, check the brakes, and make sure that these single-parent cars ran smoothly and were safe? Bill said, tell me more. He said, we got land on the back of the property. What if we built a garage? What if we outfitted with all the greatest stuff and we gave our time every Saturday to do this? And so their cars ministry was launched. What has God given you and me in terms of skills for life, for our profession, for our work? What would it look like if we laid those skills alongside our time, alongside our treasure at the altar and said, Lord, we give you this. Use these gifts, these talents, this time for the blessings of your kingdom. What would the status quo change to look like if we did that? See, the status quo changes not only what we do with our stuff, but it changes our church as well. As a part of the CFNA, the Conference Finance and uh, Administration, or the Conference's Finance Committee, was asked to give a presentation, and everybody knew that finance was sort of seen as the committee that says no to everything. Like, no, you can't spend any money. Someone asked me what I thought about that, and I said, well, no, I think the finance committee is the committee not of no, but of possibilities, because what we are called to do, and the finance committee of this church is called to do the same thing, we're called to align our financial resources to do great things. We're called to align our financial resources to do the great things that God calls us to do. That's what the work of the church is about, is to align all of our resources our money, our human capital, both paid and volunteer to fulfill the mission of the church, to follow Jesus, to make disciples, and to change the world. We do this through radical hospitality. We do it through passionate worship, through intentional faith development, through risk-taking missions, through extravagant generosity of our time, our money, and our talents. And we've seen God do great things when we bring these things to bear on the ills of our world. We've seen what happens with live stream. We talked about that a minute ago, how we can worship together even in community, even when we're far apart. Or on Nourish on Wednesday evenings when people come together for a community and faith formation. Or our increased focus on intergenerational mission work, things like Rise Against Hunger, Bed in a Book, Angel Tree, Harvest Blessings, something that all of us can do 
no matter our age or our abilities. But what else could happen? What else could happen if we were willing to change the status quo? What would it look like if we created a culture here that every member was in ministry where someone said to you, where do you go to church? And you said, I go to Centenary. And they followed up with, what do you do? And you said something besides, I go to worship. You talked about what it is that you did to further the mission of the church, both here on our campus, but across the city and the world. I think about college students that we have over at Wake or at Salem or Winston-Salem State. And I think about what are we doing, School of the Arts, what are we doing to reach out to them, to invite them into this experience? Wouldn't it be great if we had folks that said, you know, on a Sunday morning, I'd be willing to drive a bus over to those campuses to bring college students to be in our midst. Or talking about faith formation, what if you started to look around and realize there's not a class for me or for my tribe, instead of just going, oh well, said, I'll help get one started. Our staff will walk alongside you to get that started because when we come together in community to grow together, we build community. And the community is the backbone of this church. We were intentional about evangelism. I mean, it's beginning the holiday season. Advent begins next week and we're all excited. Some of you have already decorated your homes. I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. We'll get our stuff out starting this week. It'll take a month. Uh, just in time for Christmas. Um, but we'll get it started. But what happens is when people want to come to church, they want to try church out during the holidays. So what would it look like if we started to listen for those people that were looking for a church home and invited them to experience sitting there? We started to look around and saw people that we don't know sitting in our midst, and we reached out to them and said, we are so glad you're here. Let me introduce myself. I don't believe we've met. See, we're intentional about that. Imagine the possibilities when we change the status quo of what the kingdom could look like. Because remember, we follow a Lord that said these words. Very truly, I tell you, the one that believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Friends, talk about changing the status quo. If we're willing to pour our hearts out and to lay them at the altar and say, Lord, use me as you will. Let me be a good steward of these resources, of the time, of the treasure, of the talents that you have bestowed upon me. Use me to change the status quo of our world. Use me and change the status quo of my life. What might God call us to do? How might God call us to ditch the autopilot, to ditch the status quo, and to seize the opportunity to go into the world doing his words, making a difference? But remember the promise here in the text. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Friends, if you want to change the status quo of your life, all you've got to do is pray to God, change the status quo, and God will lead you to the kingdom, to a new way of being, to a new level of discipleship. And that, my friends, is the calling that God wants for you and for me and for the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.